When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a walk with a guest to take a little wander into their life. Thank you to everyone for listening so far. Please do make sure you subscribe so you know you're first to hear about our new episodes. Also a reminder to everyone asking for more health advice and how to build habits and healthy routines. Don't forget I've Got a Better Day, which is out now, a book to support your mental health. In this episode, I'm delighted to be walking with Lauren Mann in Walthamstow Marshes. After being diagnosed with breast cancer in 2016, Lauren has gone on to become an activist and the founder of Girls vs Cancer, an online community raising awareness and money to support patients with cancer. Lauren also co-hosts the popular BBC Sounds podcast, You, Me and the Big C, a podcast that holds honest and open conversations about living with cancer, for which she was recently awarded an honorary doctorate by the Institute of Cancer Research in London. Thanks to the immeasurable impact the podcast team has had on patients with cancer. We'll be discussing all the great work she does, as well as the techniques she uses to help keep her mental health in check. We all know how imperative it is to have good, solid footwear while out stomping, and so I'm excited to be sponsored by FitFlop this week. You know by now that the mission of the Stompcast is to get you out walking every week for an hour, And we have no weeks off, which means we're walking in all weather conditions. One week we'll be hiking through muddy woods on a wet and windy day, and the next we're waltzing through a park on a crisp and sunny afternoon. And so we can't get wrong what's on our feet. Luckily, Fitflop have got us covered for all terrains and conditions. For wintry walks, their range of wander wellies, which are totally waterproof, yet feel just like trainers, are perfect for wading through puddles. And for sunnier climbs, there's a great range of sandals and breathable knit trainers available too. Of course, each pair of shoes are made with our body's natural movement in mind. And so whatever the weather, you'll be set for stomping. Well, Lauren, welcome to the Stompcast. And what a beautiful tree to start our stomp by. Is this a willow tree? I don't know if this is a willow tree. I have no idea, but... Uh, It's a lovely looking tree. It's It's one of those ones as a child you'd really enjoy climbing. Well, I was just about to say, in the summer, when I used to do this little route like pretty much on a daily basis the kids are all up in that tree it's a good spot it's a nice little spot to play and it's also lovely here because you the thing is it's so deceiving the Wolfenstow marshes because it's like in between such busy parts of town you don't realise it's here. And honestly, once you're in here, like, you could be in the middle of the countryside. I actually find it really strange that we've just driven through, like, proper city kind of, you know, vibes in London. And we are literally in Wales. Yeah, we <laughs> I feel like I'm back, I'm back in Wales. Like, I'm waiting for the cows to pop out, you know. But they will in a bit. The they're, cows they're, are they're normally, here as well. There are actually cows in one of the fields here, which is amazing. Has this been an important place to come during the lockdown? Yeah. That time? So I, before lockdown started I moved to Clapton which is the other side of the marsh and I didn't even know about this I knew there was Hackney marshes and I've been there because I used to live in Homerton 
and then I moved to Clapton and we, we started to go into lockdown and I hadn't really ventured over here. And then I just got up and walked one day when we were allowed to go out and about. And I discovered this and it has seen me through some of the biggest highs and the biggest lows probably of the last three or four years. Like, yeah, it's just this place has something I could just like, you know, you just look back and I recollect certain moments where I was completely broken or certain moments where I was like, I'm going to be okay. And they were always in this marsh. Wow. Are there yeah. ones that really stand out in either direction? Yeah. So I remember one day just feeling really manic and I remember feeling really lost and overwhelmed because obviously with the nature of my work, can you imagine in lockdown, being in your house talking about cancer all day, it's not a good headspace to be in, especially when it's lived trauma. Yeah. Exactly. And I lost, well I hadn't lost, she died. My friend Simon died in the summer of 2020. And I remember the weeks that followed, I just was not in a good place. I couldn't place myself. The usual outlets for coping weren't there. I couldn't be with my family. And I kind of went to pieces. Hmm. And I just remember being on the phone to Sam, who was a trustee of the charity Future Dreams and also like a really good confidant and been on the phone to her and just letting it all come out. And then shortly after that, my sister called me and I just sat in the middle of the grass on the floor and just cried for like an yeah. hour. And it was like this release that I needed, but also it's like the marsh holds my secrets. It's like <laughs> this special place where I can just go and talk and vent and scream. But I just remember feeling completely broken and sitting in that marsh and hugging my knees and just being like, oh my God, but being at, something about being out in nature and the vastness of it, when your world feels so compact and your head feels so compact, yeah, just gives you the space, yeah. doesn't it, to think and feel. Well, it, it, we talk um, often on the Stompcast about like the kind of positive effects of nature and like how it lifts your mental health. But sometimes, or something we don't maybe talk about as much, is going through grief in nature as well. Like, yeah, if there's there's almost a healing in letting out your emotions in an open space where you don't feel trapped. Yeah, where you feel you can kind of release that emotion because sometimes we try to trap emotions in and stop them coming up but sometimes yeah. you need to go out shout and scream and go like fuck use the world almost isn't oh, it I've, there's been a lot of screams in this marsh let me tell you i'm like fuck <laughs> and people are probably like who is that but she's no back one knows again. And no one cares <laughs> she's back again <laughs> but you know it's really weird actually because i remember walking just before i was leaving the clapton house earlier this year took a walk through the marsh in the spring it was lovely and I just felt like this real nice calm and peacefulness and the sky was this beautiful, like almost purple pink. Yeah. The sunsets here are just absolutely stunning. And I took loads of pictures of it. And it was only when I was walking home and I spoke to my mum, I totally hadn't even clocked that it was the anniversary of my uncle's death. And it just felt really special. Wow, yeah, and then you reflect and go, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, I was like, there's oh, there moments he is, like that where you kind of go like, yeah, some, is that like a sign of some sort, isn't it? it kind yeah. Of, Let's set the scene. We do our five senses each week, but let's mm. just, you know, give us a, a general feel of where we are, what you can see, what we can feel. I can definitely feel the, the cold and the tips of my fingers, a little bit <laughs> of rain on my hood. A little bit of rain splash on the old face. We are just walking around the walking path around the back of the marsh because it does get quite muddy in there. But this is a place where you normally get the wind hit you because you're on a bit of a hill. It's very calm, it's peaceful. You don't hear noise, you can't hear traffic. You know, every now and then you'll get an overground train yeah. that runs through it. We're surrounded by doggies and walkers and it's just very, very, very chill. It's not like yeah. a, a place where you could at all get stressed, I don't think. 
I actually kind of like, you've, we've had a couple of trains passing by. I love the sound of trains clicking by. Yeah. Um, I live in Battersea and I can hear the trains kind of running into London. And on cue, you can yeah. hear it whizzing by. I quite, quite like that. There's something comforting. I don't, I don't even know why. I don't actually even particularly like going on trains. <laughs> As yeah. you all know, I get, I get stressed by trains. Sometimes. When you're on it, you feel sometimes a bit trapped, kind of on yeah, a journey. A bit you can't get off. But uh, there's something comforting about knowing it's there. And then it goes, and then yeah. you're back in the nature again. And you're again. back in the room again. But also, I, I'm one of those people, I don't know how you are, right? Whenever I see a train or if I'm on a train, um, and I look out and I look at people and I'm like, I wonder where they're going. I wonder what their name is. I wonder who they are. Like, I'm so interested in human beings. Yeah. The human condition to me is just... You enjoy people walking? Yeah, yeah. People walking? People, people walking. Watching. Oh, we... there's one over the top of us. That one's not as Wow, as that's, that's a bit more spooky, isn't it? Um, that's slightly spooky, that one, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, no, there's a lot um, of graffiti here, isn't there? We're yeah, just walking no, by and we walk on the un there's an underpass and we're just looking. There's lots of I, I read something along the lines of um, Putin, you prick on the last one. So, oh, yeah, um, like, well, that's no lie, <laughs> is it? Yeah, yeah no, this, this would kind factual. of change up quite a lot during the lockdown. Um, people would just come in and update, and there was a lot of like real topical stuff at the time. So there was loads of stuff about like, you know, respecting each other and looking after one another and F the government or. Yeah, yeah, what have yeah. you? So yeah, it's always actually quite nice to see when it's all changed up. Do you tend to stomp alone, or do you kind of go with family? No, a mix. To be honest, like I tend to see if we were going to go off piste to our right here is an opening into the marsh. Yes, that is incredible. So that is where you see, but it's very, very muddy. So we're going to continue up. But yes. um, to be honest, my family are other side of London. Um, so most of the time when I do my stomping, it is alone. Every Christmas we do Richmond Park, which I know yes. is like one of yours. So we take the yes. kids to look for Rudolph. Yes, which is always I love lovely. That. I love that. Um, but I do, there's something about, I've got a dog now and he's not with us today because otherwise I was going to say, I was kind of hoping you'd bring the dog. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so, <laughs> But it's no, hard, he's... it's hard. And I mean, Ro Rolo the same, you'd be just, it's hard to have a conversation with it just causing chaos, isn't no, it? No, you can't. And also um, Ray's only 10 months old. Oh, yeah. So he's very inquisitive and I would just spend the whole podcast like punctuated with Ray. Come on, come back, come um, back. But what's so nice now is because now I have company on my stump. So yeah. before it used to be a podcast or music or get my headphones on and chat to a friend. But now it's, I've got little man and it's such a lovely, I never feel alone. Like it's just so nice going out. It's nothing more, I don't know, grounding, I think. Yeah. But then when I'm walking around the park and I've let him off and he's running around playing with other doggies and I'm like, oh, this is what it's all about. Yeah. I think it's a certain age. Have and I got I think, to a certain uh, age? I think maybe we have. I don't know. In the like 30s, I guess, and we're just kind of yeah. uh, appreciating those simple things. But um, something I'm realising more and more, kind of, especially the last few years, that the things that bring us peace, and I deliberately use the word peace, not happiness, because yeah. I think happiness is a deflection. It's an emo emotion in a certain yeah. direction. The thing that gives us peace are the simple things in each day, aren't they? Yeah. They are the habit-forming things or the things that give you a bit of grounding, like... Like this, we're, we're yeah. not doing anything actually complex. We're just out having a walk. We were sat in the car waiting to meet you, thinking, "Oh gosh, it's you know, it's quite a wet day today." Yeah. And you get out and you go, "Do you know what? Actually, I'm so grateful yeah. to be outside, just to kind of experience nature. It makes you feel so much more like you belong here." Yeah, and free and calm. And like, I just think for me, it makes you feel small. And sometimes when the world feels really big and scary or overwhelming you need to feel small and it, and it brings you back down to does any of this really actually matter like chill out re-collaborate and go again that's fantastically put i love that idea of being like sometimes i that's i, I when i feel really stressed i zoom out of the planet yeah. and i imagine planet earth and think of how many people are on it and how many creatures yeah. there are and then i come back in and go is your problem 
as babe. big as you think. This is what I do with my mates with fellas. I'm always like, <laughs> are you really going to cry yourself to sleep over him? One person on this entire planet who's treated you like shit. And then it's like, when you give perspective, they're like, yeah. oh yeah. Do you ever actually. wonder, like this is really going as a tangent now, but do you ever wonder the whole like, things like relationships and things like that and people? Yeah. I, I, I mean, we could, I could be born in, in like Australia or something, right? And you would meet someone there yeah. or you'd be born here and meet someone here. Like, yeah. You know that idea of like there's the one. Do, no. do you kind of believe in that stuff? No, I don't believe in the one. I believe there's, um, I believe there's a few lids for every pot, and I think it's timing. I believe it's divine timing. Everyone goes through so many changes and evolutions in life. I feel that you meet the right person at the right time for you, for you both, but they're not going to be the person that is like the person you would have gone for when you were 16 or yeah. 22 or whatever. I'm 37 now, and. I love my solitude. Like I never say I'm single because single means like sounds like there should be something else. Like I love my solitude. I love that. That's so true, isn't it? Like yeah. single people when you say you're single, people are like, oh, how's it going? Like or, how's dating? Or you're or, still single. Like yeah, oh, yeah, it's a bad no. thing. And it's like, no, I'm consciously on my own because I've got so much I'm so my life is so abundant of love in like non-romantic forms, yeah. if that makes sense. Like I've got the best friends and family, yeah. I love my work. I love my little yeah. doggy. I've got a great home. Like I've got my health. Yeah. So I just really appreciate all of that. And then like romantic love to me will come when it's right. And I feel like the more I look for it or like feel like I should have it by now, that's when it ends up dating people that are completely wrong for me. And then like wobble me off, off center in terms of my alignment and what's right for me, because I, I just can't make room for anyone like that anymore. Like it has to, yeah. It has to work in do, terms of my well-being. Do you think we well become being. more, and I, I, don't, I think the word, it's not the right word, but you get the kind of idea. Do you think we become more selfish as we get older? And I think selfish yeah. is a negative connotation. I think it's not negative, actually. But do you think we do go, do you know what? I'm not willing to sacrifice this unless it's, it works. Yeah, I mean, like, in, in some respects, like, right, I'm going to use Raymond the dog again. <laughs> Getting a dog is a big responsibility. It is, I know that. And R I sacrifice so much for myself, and I love him. But the thing is, it's a two-way unconditional love. It's like... It's, it feeds back into yourself and that's what relationships should be, right? So yeah. for me, if that's not happening, then I'm not bothered. I'm just like, well, actually, no, why am I, why are you yeah. even around? <laughs> you know, I had a, it reminds me, talking about the dogs and stuff, I had a message a couple of days ago on Instagram and um, I saw her and I thought, no, I've got to reply. And this lady basically said that she was struggling with mental health and she got a dog and she... She really wanted, she wanted a dog to have their unconditional love, but she mm. found the puppy stage so, so hard that she was oh, really struggling. So... She was really, really struggling. And she was like, oh my God, I don't know if I can cope. And I just sent her some voice messages saying mm. like, just little things like, A, it does get better. Mm -hmm. You know, they are, it is a difficult phase for everyone. Because I think sometimes people go, oh my God, why am I the one that's struggling with a puppy? Everyone else can get their dogs to do backflips and all this kind of no, stuff. No, 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 And it's I so just sent, the, I sent her the messages. And then like, even like a week or so later, she sent me a picture of the dog. Um, a beautiful little black spaniel, I think it was, Ooh. and a beautiful little dog. And she said, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm getting through that time and I can see that sometimes, that this is going to be like a sacrifice, Yeah. but you get an unconditional love. And I think that's what it is with dogs. You do have to sacrifice. Like with you Rolo, do. I can't just go out to the pub yeah. on a Friday without planning what I'm going to do. Yeah. It's just not but right, but they're always there and they love you. But in terms of coping mechanisms then for me, like Deborah, my co-host, died this summer. And, and honestly... That dog is sent from Rachel and Deb. I'll tell you the story in a moment, but the dog is sent from them. It's actually crazy. But because of Raymond, because I got him in quite quick succession after Deb died, I think it was within a month, 
I had him at 10 months. I didn't have him straight from pup-pup, but it's still a massive adjustment. And my usual coping mechanism would be like, throw myself into work or, you know, throw myself into drinking drugs, throw myself into sex. Yeah. And because I have Raymond and I have something to focus on outside of myself, it really, I think, helped me to not go wayward when such a massive loss happens. Because yeah. my way of coping is always keeping my brain busy, whereas actually I was busy at home resting, but with company, and it just made a very big difference. Yeah. Like, he's, he has been the, one of the best things I've ever done. And also, like, these marshes, so my old flatmate Candice, she has two dogs, um, Albus and Sybil. So <laughs> I, I was that. almost like surrogate dog yeah. mum, which I loved. And I used to walk them around these marshes, and I just remember always thinking one day, I'll have my, my own dog, yeah, and I'll be walking them around the marsh because I loved walking Albus around and just having that time out. And then now, lo and behold, here I am, not with us today, but little Raymond Delini. Yeah, it's, it's happened. So it's just so weird to think of where my mindset was at when I used to walk this every day and what I'd hoped for myself. Yeah, and like kind of some things of like, yeah, I am meant out. to be. So, you said that it was you felt like it was meant to be because the dog yeah oh mate I mean, it's just... such a mad story so i've wanted a dog for years and i've always said i'm getting a boy i'm calling it raymond ray winston's the love of my life okay. i love him um and so i always wanted a little ray but it had to be a bit like big ray so he needs to be like quite sturdy a yeah. little bit of a geese but a big teddy bear yeah yeah a big softy and um my manager um in the last couple of years he got a little schnauzer called Scylla and I loved her. I was like, oh my God, she is amazing. Um, so cute. And I never really thought about a schnauzer for a puppy. I wanted one just before the pandemic and I'm glad I didn't because lockdown happened and my brother works at Dogs Trust and it's just been hell for, for them because so many people got dogs and then life opens up and they couldn't get yeah, a dog. So I, I wanted to wait till the time was right. And I just got in contact with the breeder of Scylla anyway. I just said, look, whenever you get a litter that's available i'd love a little boy let me know I and mean, she's not a breeder in like constantly breed sense she she does show dogs she's got pedigree dogs and they do crufts and all of this stuff and she only breeds when she needs a new dog yeah so earlier this year when i moved into my house i was on a list for one of her puppies and unfortunately the litter miscarried so that was really oh, sad gosh. and then like two weeks after deb died the breeder's called deb by the way mm. oh gosh <laughs> so there's two debs um, I was walking along Margate Promenade with my sister. We were going to a gig and I saw two little schnauzers over in the corner. I went, look, Hayley, it's a ray, it's a ray. And she went, oh, you'll have yours soon. And we went and sat in the pub. And by the time my sister had ordered a pint, I'd got a message on my phone from Breeder Deb saying we had a litter. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. And me and my sister were like, that's it. This has got to be Ray. And then three weeks later, I got a message from the Breeder Deb. And she said, look, I know you wanted a puppy, but we've got this gorgeous six month old. We can't bring him on the shows anymore. He's got too chonky for his category because he's a mini, but he's chonky. <laughs> um, he's really calm, really placid. I think he'd be a great fit for you. So I was like, oh, okay well, then. Yeah. So yeah, she's like, he's really lovely. Do you want to meet him? I said, yeah, sure. Like, of course yeah, I, I yeah, want to yeah. meet him. And I went and honestly, it was love at first face. And if he just came over and sniffed me <laughs> and I've got this video of us looking into each other's eyes. I was like, oh my God, that's my dog. It's love at first sight. It was. And then we walked to the station um, Deb and I, the breeder, um, so I could get a feel for him or what he's like out in the open with other people and dogs. Yeah. And oh my God, we were talking, and she, we were talking about family. She said that her daughter was up north yeah. um, doing beauty. So I automatically assumed it was makeup. I said, oh, what does she do, like bridal? She said, no, she does hair. I was like, oh, where in Manchester? She said, no, Nutsford. I went, oh, that's where Rachel used to live with yeah. Steve. Yeah. 
And I, and I was like, what does she do? Like, she was like, really expensive, like, she does hair extensions. And I was like, hang on a minute, what's the name of the salon? She said, why? Well, because when Rachel found out she was dying, she went and spent money on getting really expensive hair extensions done for her book cover. It was like yeah. her princess yeah. hair that she wanted. And I went to be so weird if it was the same salon. Oh my gosh, no, it Three days later, she texted me, it wasn't just the same salon, dude. It was her daughter who did Rachel's hair. Oh my hair. gosh. Now wow. tell me that dog weren't meant that's for me. That's mad, yeah, that's mad. What's He's the my little soul, mate. I God, love it. God, that's crazy. Isn't that You mad? have moments of that, though, where you just like can't, you think, how is that even possible? That connection is, oh, it's just that's a bit comfort. weird, isn't it? Almost? It's too much. But also <laughs> it's comfort, weird. because the running nice. joke yeah, of course it is. Rachel was, and Rachel died, she said to Deb and, um, and the team, she was like, make sure you find Lauren a good fella. But they didn't specify the species yeah well exactly so in my mind i think deb got up and met wherever they are met rach and she's gone i thought he was going to sort her in a fella out and they just went all right bippity boppity boo there's one little furry thing <laughs> little ray that yeah well i say ray's a, but a it's good probably companion. better for me than a man at this point in my life to be honest because he just no ag just loads of cuddles obviously i want to say i'm sorry for your loss i mean you've had you. you've had you've had two incredible people as part of well more than two, but yeah. By, by the way, of putting it the public, <laughs> the public don't it, yeah. in like the very big public eye. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah. I mean, two people are part of your show that were so. Yeah, yeah I, I want to say it. sorry, obviously, for your for your loss. I mean, I, I so I first discovered you mean the big C after Rachel Bland sadly passed away. Yeah, I saw that she'd passed in the media and I heard it was really powerful and I guess working as a doctor we see one side of it but we often I think you often don't realize the mental health implications mm -hmm. um, the effect on family and I guess like the emotional health of people as well and it was incredible to listen to a podcast where people are speaking so honestly and actually kind of not no holds barred but like really like candidly about what it's like and yeah. so listening afterwards it was really really hits home when you knew that she'd passed, you know? Like, yeah, that really like after the hammered fact. me. I was like, whoa, yeah. like, Even but it was so powerful. Even though you knew it was gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, so, I mean, it, what was it like when you kind of, when you were doing that podcast and obviously, you know, then listen, like, or knowing now and continuing knowing that she'd passed, like, how, how do you kind of deal with that as a person, as someone that, you know, that, that's your friend as well, isn't it? But mate, we, listen, it's like she had spidey senses. Deb and I were talking when Rachel was really sick and had kind of told us that she didn't have long left, which I think me and Deborah have both been very big denial about. And I was with Deborah to be honest as well. Like, it's not a reality I want to live in, yeah. so I'm just like, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Um, but she's like her spidey sense has been off because me and Deb spoke and I was like, I don't want to do it without her. And we're like, no, I don't want to do it without her either. Because you've got to think, we just started it. Yeah, I know. Beginning of that year. Yeah. So for us, we've actually done more podcasts now since Rachel died. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but she messaged and she was like, I want Deb and Lauren to continue the podcast, blah, blah. And we were just like, oh, okay. Gosh, it's hard. A lady's dying happens. wish. You can't say no to that. I was like, she's got us there, well, Deb. Yeah, she's tied you in. Yeah. <laughs> it's the ultimate, ultimate contract, I think, isn't it? I think what it was with Rachel, it was really difficult, obviously, to grieve someone who's in the public eye. That's quite a hard thing to do because people are kind of looking at you, whereas normally you can, like, grieve in private. Yeah. Um, but what made it easier for us is that she gave us a job, which was to continue the pod. So it kind of allowed us to rally and almost like put all of that grief and energy into making sure we continued this legacy for her. Otherwise, what's the fucking point? So that must have been such a hard thing to do, to come yeah. back and do that first episode after she passed. I mean, that yeah. must have been. Well, yeah. hats off to you. I mean, that you know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, love. Yeah, it was really rough, and it's the same with Deb. Like, you know. 
for me, especially in the last couple of years, Deb has been such a driver of the pod because, you know, that's still her lived existence. Whereas for me, it's more of like, it's the past. Um, so yeah, now it's just all a bit. How are you doing now? Because it's so it's so recent, and I say recent. I mean, recent is even five or ten years since someone's yeah. passed. To be perfectly honest, but yeah, we're months it, out, it, aren't it, we? Yeah, like how like how are you doing? Do you know what? I'll be honest. I've boxed it off. I genuinely have. Like, I I feel like I've com almost compartmentalised a little bit into work mode. So mm. like, I can treat the podcast as work mode, and I've almost taken like our friendship and put it into the podcast for now, because I can't really think about her not being around it's too much still um it's a very mammoth loss so i'm all right i'm doing all the right things in terms of taking my time make sure when i have days where i'm sad i deal with it and i talk and i'm okay but yeah man it's shit like it's really difficult i miss her all the time and i think yeah just my way of coping at the moment is just head down carry on we've got um a live podcast that we're going to be doing our first live deb always wanted to do a live as well Wow. So we're going to be doing a live in January. So we'll be recording a podcast in the beginning of December to announce the ballot. Wow, that's um, amazing. So that's something to do. And then I think we'll figure that's it amazing. out from there. That's um, amazing. But yeah, Gee, I mean, there were two incredible people. I mean, like, Dame Deborah messaged me on Instagram um, a, you know, a while back. Um, I think I was... I was at the time like sharing some of the campaigns that yeah. she was doing and she just like took the time to message and I was like what a lovely person yeah. like, and just said an actual say like I love the work you're doing and just took the time to actually message not just all cheers like and I was like wow that says a lot about a person yeah you know that oh, really does so and I was like wow what a lovely what a lovely lady really you no know? she genuinely genuinely cared a firecracker like you don't get many like Dame Deb and I feel very very privileged I got to call her mine like how lucky am I like you know that she was a friend, that I got to have all that special time with her. I just feel really grateful she was in my life at all. But yeah, it's it's a very strange time. Like, what other line of work would you be in that you think you might lose both your colleagues, they might die? Unless it's like the army or something, you know? Like, what other world would that happen? So it's a very surreal thing, because I don't think there's many other people can relate no. to talk no. to about it, so. No, they, they, they really can't. And I don't know, what, what can anyone say? And I would never be patronising well, to say, have any particular words to say other than I can only imagine how many people you've probably helped. I mean, like, yeah, well, A, through the amount of, the colossal amount of uh, money and things that have been raised, mm -hmm. the awareness of that has been raised. And think about all the people that maybe have got checked out for things or... yeah got diagnosed sooner because oh, they they've been aware. they called it the Dame Deb effect. Have you heard about this? Well, yeah, because there's the a... The screen into yeah, bowel yeah, cancer went up massively. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 mean we can, I cannot emphasize how many people that would have saved yeah. and, continue, and continue, continue to save to. because you have yeah. that ripple effect, don't you? Like, mm -hmm. they go, well, I got checked out. Okay, well, I'm going to go as well. And it's kind of, you see it amongst, like, testicular cancer awareness campaigns with men. Like, mm. people go and then someone asks, oh, do you know what? I'm sure I probably should go and get, oh, I need to, you know, be yeah. careful on this kind of thing. Or you see it on socials. It makes a huge difference. So, you know, thank you for the, the work that you're doing, really. No, I, honestly, I'm so proud of it. And, like, I think, you know, the one thing, it was in Deb's funeral in a eulogy when um, her husband Seb was reading out some words she wanted shared and her whole thing was it's okay to miss me and be sad but if you don't carry on living your life and having fun and smiling and laughing and you're not doing me any favours like you're doing yeah. me a disservice wow. wow so whenever I actually have days where I'm really like struggling not even just with with the loss of Deborah and Rach or just in general life things I, that's that clicks me back into the room it's such a poignant thing she's left me with because it's like yeah like how 
I'm spending like a day moping about this or getting pissed off about something. And it's like, Deb would have killed to have this five minutes more life or be back in this world. And it like, you know, you can't be like that all the time, but I genuinely like just click back in the room and go, no, imagine if Deb yeah. was there, she'd be furious that you're wasting She's time on this. <laughs> Giving so, you telling off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, I just, it's, in that way, I feel like I carry her with me still. Like she's still around, still like winding me up in my ear holes. Well, giving, giving me ag. Her, her, her legacy will, will, will go on and on. But um, I just want to say to, to, as we wrap up part one of mm. the, the, the episode, to anyone listening, as we go, we go into the a little pathway, yeah. to anyone listening who's affected by this, you know, want support around bereavement or indeed support if you're living with cancer, then we're leaving it links into the show notes. Uh, and of course, I can't direct you to a better place than, <laughs> of course, your own uh, your Instagram page, yeah. uh, the podcast and so on. We'll leave all the links um, down below because, well, there's no better support than speaking to people that live are living through so and have lived through that, right? support the future, probably, probably the best support you'll have. Yeah, exactly. I'm very, it's very important. I'm very proud to facilitate that in some way. Thank you again to our amazing sponsor this week, FitFlop. Don't forget to head to fitflop.com to make sure you're equipped to stomp in all weathers, just like me and my guests. Thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode of me and Lauren in Walthamstow Marshes. If you're not finished stomping yet, head over to part two. And if you've had enough for today and you want to have a little break or you're off to work, have a great day and we'll see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 